Welcome to episode 180 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we talk about Jim Harbaugh's suspension, Lane Kiffin versus Paul Feinbaum, and Colorado to the Big 12. Before we preview the ACC with Neil Blackman from Saturday Road and Saturday Down South. And stay tuned for a special interview at the end of the show with Three Year Letterman. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern Time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Find clips from the show on Twitter, at SatDownSouth, and at SatFBUncensored, on Instagram and TikTok, at, at SaturdayDownSouth, and find us on YouTube at SaturdayDownSouth. And now, here's the show. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of College Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, Chris Mahler. Chris, we are officially in preview season, buddy. First off, you're 0 for 1. <laughs> I didn't like the attitude or the lack of energy in the cold open about having three-year Letterman on, which is going to be awesome. Um, oh, yeah. And I'll tell you the other thing is you said the name of the podcast wrong because... You heard it here first. We have a new. We rebranded. We're like yeah. Caitlyn Jenner. Or that's not. No, that's not a good example. No, no. We're like. We're like the Cleveland Guardians. I hate. I hate that too. What are we like? Washington Commanders. WWE. Like from F. Because like WWF. You know what? WWF. Because like uncensored in the F word. And yeah. now we're WWE. Because like it's for everyone. Everyone that likes the Yeah, for sure. So Saturday Football Uncensored, the new name of the pod. I'm super pumped. The logo looks fly as fuck. Looks really good. They did a good job with it. We're very excited. Got a lot to talk about. Should be a fun episode. But you're right. We are in preview mode. Uh, Preview season. S-Z-N, as the kids are saying. Uh, Yeah, like Zen. I don't. Do I need to get into that? I've kicked a couple of habits. I need to pick one back up. I'm due. No, no. I mean, let's let's keep you off the habits. Okay. Um. So there was some. There's there's a couple of things that we want to cover before we get to the ACC talk. Uh, first thing, Jim Harbaugh suspended four games. Um. I'm gonna be honest. I think this is a non-issue. I looked at the calendar for those four games. Uh, all home games against powerhouses such as East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. All at home. All at home. Those teams were ranked 48th. That's East Carolina. 94th, 100th, and 108th in the country in the final CBS uh, Sports 130 uh, at the end of last season. God-awful teams. Like, yeah. But here's the thing, and it I as soon as I saw it, the petty, petty LaBelle side of me, petty wop, uh, favorite rapper of all time, I, I will say my initial reaction was, okay, this is the same guy who once said it's hard to beat the cheaters, talking about the SEC, in like 2016, and has like, you know, really put himself on this, like, kind of pedestal of of morality and, and Michigan does that in general with the whole Michigan man thing and just like never heard of a group like outside of fucking Twilight kids like 
try to brag about a, about books and academics faster than Michigan. It's them, right? Twilight Kids and the people from Fifty Shades of Grey. That is a whole thing we're going to talk about some other time, though. Um, anyway, but then when you really look at it, man, I, he got four games, and it's from it's the misconception is like, all right, he got in trouble because he bought a kid a cheeseburger. Jerry Pruitt was putting $60,000 in different cheeseburger bags. Jim Harbaugh <laughs> bought a single cheeseburger for a recruit, but he lied about it. Yep. And the NCAA looked at that and was like, you know what? Four games, sir. Four games. So you back in Harbaugh on this one? I am. I, I think it's – because here's the thing. I, I hate the NCAA, but it's like – it's I don't I just I don't know anything more inconsistent than NCAA rulings. I really don't. Like it, it's here's the here's the best example I'll give you. And I know these are two different things. People are quick to be like, well, Tennessee got a slap on the wrist, they didn't get a bowl ban or anything. Well, Michigan didn't get a bowl ban and and the four games thing, four games for the head coach, that's a third of the season. I mean it's that's a third of the season that he's not allowed to coach yeah. because he lied about a hamburger. I've lied about my weight and hamburgers to several people all the time. But like the fact that let's remember Michi or uh, Mizzou not that long ago, they got in trouble because a, a student athlete tutor went rogue on her own and was, was helping kids cheat. But when I say helping, what she was doing was, taking it upon herself to do homework for the athletes. They didn't ask her to every time. Like she just did it, sent it back to them. And she may have taken tests. There were only two football players involved in the 13 total kids. It was at a, involved under a coach that was no longer even with the program. Mizzou self-reported it. And they found out during the investigation that she was trying to extort them and blackmail them for $5,000, like openly saying it. And they still got a bowl ban. I just don't get how all this happens from from the NCAA. Like their rulings just never make any sense. No, they'll be irrelevant soon. I mean, it feels like really soon, but within the next five years. Yes. All right. So speaking of the NCAA being irrelevant and rulings and all that, NIL, you know, it continues to be uh, a conversation, and we were actually applauding Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Last week, or really this week, beginning of this week, about how he approach the whole topic like the way we all think about it and he's like there's some issues and blah 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 well you know of course our good friend paul feinbaum went on his show and basically said you know quote i find everything that lane says to be humorous but nothing more than the hypocrisy of calling college football a disaster today because players can leave at a moment's notice considering he walked out on tennessee in the middle of the night for usc and especially last year when he was secretly negotiating with auburn while his team imploded losing last four games as a result and then managed to leverage that for a $10 million a year deal. End quote. Um, he also, um, you know, basically he's like, look, you're a hypocrite. You use the portal. Your two potential starting quarterbacks are from the portal. And your backup quarterback, right. Walker Howard, is also from the portal. And Kiffin, as he typically does, clapped back a little bit. Quoted a, a quote from the NCAA president and then uh, said, hashtag angry little man. Paul's not that small. 
He's tall. Is guy. he not? He seems like he would be. I mean, he's very skinny, but he's like tall, fine bomb. He's like, I don't think he's that short. So here's the thing. And I, I'm just like, our good friend Josh, uh, Josh Hancher and Dog Stats, like, he's adamantly uh, in opposition of the hypocrisy of what, what Kiffin said. I'm just a little bit exhausted with the fact that, like, I love I love Paul to death, but we also know what Paul Feinbaum does. We're talking about a week ago. A week ago, he said if Ki- or if Saban doesn't make the playoff, it, it's going to like start to affect his legacy. He's, it's just he's getting more takey by the day. I feel like it, it's it, things are like more of a hot take. The other side of it is all of the stuff he said about the hypocrisy and leaving all that kind of stuff is true. It's also not what Kiffin said was the issue. Kiffin never brought up the fact that like these kids can leave at a moment's notice and that's unfair. That would be wildly hypocritical and and worthy and justified in like a response of calling them out for it. But saying that here's a problem. Here's, here's the issue that we're facing as head coaches and in college football. Oh, and here's the other side of it too with the NIL stuff. All of this is happening at once. It all got dropped. I got our laps by an organization that didn't even want to stick around, just like, hey, here's all the issues, see you, bye. And those are those are accurate things that he said. So, like, two things can be true at the same time. Kiffin left Tennessee in the middle of the night. I think Paul probably said something that's, like, a little bit enlightening. Like, we all probably assumed a little bit last year that he probably was trying to negotiate with Auburn behind closed doors. And, of course, he did leverage it, like, I think all that's probably true. All of those things can be true without having to be like, you're not allowed to talk about this because you did something 13 years ago. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, like it's it's clearly a problem. And I'll, I'll give you another take on this, another spin on how this is... Another sp- a spin on how this is going. Is that I think he's doing a good job by being able to bring it up and say it's a problem while still going to the portal and going to NIL and showing how it can be done successfully. Yeah. Um, look, I think Lane, if I, I think I mentioned the Josh Pate interview uh, on our last episode, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it or listen to it. Cause they talk about that part too. He's like, what would you go back and tell yourself, you know, when you left Tennessee and all that? And, you know, he was honest. He's basically immature. You know, he just wasn't, he, he actually says that he tells he gives people advice and people come younger coaches come to him for advice on on stuff like that on what not to do and things like that and so you can't punish a guy you can't you can't look he he yes he recently you know talked about the NIL issues and I think he brings up valid concerns but to compare that to something like you said that was 13 years ago just doesn't seem fair at all to me completely agree I'm on Kiffin's side here same and lastly, we've got uh, Colorado, the Big Twelve. Um, this was this was brought up by Pete Thamel late in the day today, as we record on Wednesday, the twenty sixth of July. And by the time I got home, Brett McMurphy had tweeted out like it was a done deal, like they had yeah. agreed to leave to go to the Big Twelve. Which, as we know, as big college football fans, they were already in the Big Twelve at one point. They were in the Big Eight. Yeah. Right. How about, you know what? Like, I'm going to make a fucking red hat with white letters on it. It just says make conferences great and the total amount of their numbers again. Like, it would be awesome if the Big Ten had ten fucking teams. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. No. Never they're, they're more likely to have 20. Yeah, that's also fair. So, I guess my question for you is, 
Um, if they go to the Big Twelve, RJ Young is going to come in his pants immediately because he just that's just, <laughs> that's like his whole thing. That's so aggressive, but it's that's like his whole thing. Um, I I'm like already over the Dion talk. I'm just, and I know this isn't that, but like I guess my question to you is, and we'll try to keep it short because everything's speculation because nothing is final still. But like, do you see this going as? I mean. How many teams are in the Big 12 now? Well, they just added BYU, UCF, Houston, and is that it? No, there's one more. I can't think of what it is. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. That's 14. So Colorado, so there'll be 15. They're not going to stop there, man. Oregon. I think Oregon's going to be the next target. Oregon's going to the Big 12 or the Big 10. But, like, I guess my question is do you see this going as. Four 16 team conferences, or are we just going to do something where it's like three 20 to 24 team conferences? Because I, I think it has to be four to find yeah. a balance and power. Because if it's three and it's the SEC, the Big Ten, whatever that even looks like at 20 or 24 teams, yeah. if it's those two and the fucking Big 12, that's like the epitome of that. That dragon meme where it's like the two dragons, and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Thank or God. it's like the third, or it's like the third hyena in the Lion King. Yeah, or like you know, yeah, that's that's it. We could probably stop there. Um, <laughs> Just thirty more minutes. Yeah. No. So I mean, look, it's I don't. I, I think we said this last pod, but like you can't have three mega conferences because then yeah. you, how do you determine a title at that point That's so i think you gotta have four look I, I don't i don't see why you would be in a rush if you're colorado to join the big 12 i know they said that you know they don't have any and rightfully so since usc and ucla are on the way out they don't have any they don't feel safe in the pac-12 because it seems like it's crumbling they didn't come up with it they had their their media days and they just didn't announce that they were having a new contract with anybody. Right. So it's like, at least the ACC announced that they were going to be on the CW, which yeah. is tough. I mean, that's not great. Uh, speaking of the ACC, we're going to be previewing the ACC in this episode. We are. I'm excited. Uh, uh, so a little bit here in a little bit, we're going to have on Neil Blackman from Saturday road and Saturday down South on to help preview the ACC um well i'll tell you what he's been he's been at media days so and it's still it's still ongoing he's yeah he's still there um why don't we give the listeners a little preview of that or just the whole clip and they can listen to our our interview with him and since he's a guest we'll give you all his predictions first and on the back half of that before our interview with the lovely three-year letterman we'll tell you what we think because listen neil's a great guy and he's very accurate i'm sure and 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 a smart man. He's a lawyer in real life. Yep. Yeah. Um, just like me. And so, uh, but like, let's face it. I don't know two dudes that were more accurate at anything last year than me and you. Not No, no two dudes were more accurate than us. No. At all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So Pumps we will, uh, let's get to our interview with, let's get to our interview with Neil. We'll come back. We'll do our own little preview of the ACC, and then we'll get to three-year letterman. Here's Neil. 
We are kicking off our preseason podcast preview perennial extravaganza. A lot of peas in there. None of them sitting down. And speaking of sit-down peas, we have one of my favorite people uh, from SDS, my man Neil Blackman, who's just in, wait, not Raleigh, it's in Charlotte for Media Days, right? Yeah. That's it. I didn't mean to introduce you with the sit-down pea thing. It sounded cooler in my head. Um, <laughs> any of, all of our listeners know that I'm the sit-down pea guy on this podcast. But anyway, we're kicking this thing off with an ACC preview. Uh, we figured it's the, the worst conference, but we're going to have the best person to preview it, and we're going to get it out of the way early. Because honestly, Neil, and I know you were in Charlotte for Media Days, it's a kind of like a two-team race, it feels like, at least in the preseason with Clemson and Florida State. What is your biggest? What were your biggest takeaways when you were in uh, Charlotte for Media Days? Well, we have Dabo tomorrow, so it's almost things happened yet. Oh no! Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Like Mario Cristobal came, he was tan. <laughs> he has a plan. Um, tan with a plan. You know, is that the hashtag this year? <laughs> that's my hashtag. Tan <laughs> uh, with a plan, uh, Mike said excited 27 times okay you know i guess they're excited in tallahassee (laughs) i would be if i were an fsu person yeah um i'd be um duke was interesting today because they kind of roll in there and they're like yeah we're duke football (laughs) (laughs) but 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 they won what nine games they're gonna be good they're going to be really good. And they play Clemson September 4th. Okay. Mm-hmm. All those guys today were like, yeah, we're just excited to open the season with Clemson. Really? Yeah. And that's like, like, I'm trying to think of like what a listener would. So that would be like not a Lane Kiffin coached Ole Miss team. Right. Like let's Matt Luke Ole Miss team just being like, Man, we're pumped for week two at Alabama. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like what? <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's in Durham. Okay. Um, I'd hype, but tickets are available. I just looked for fifty three dollars, so I don't know how hype it's going to be. <laughs> but Duke has a Duke's going to be good. I think it's a three team race because I think Duke is good, and I don't think we should be like. Like, Duke is sort of, you know, look, Clemson's won this league all but one time in the last eight years. And the one time they didn't, it was like little old Wake Forest, right? right? So don't write off Duke because the ACC is insane. Yeah, so, okay, like, here's the thing about the ACC. I was looking into this, and I, we, we kind of, like, crap on the ACC because it's the ACC. And, and I think for the most part, everyone outside of Clemson or Anderson, South Carolina, <laughs> hates Clemson, right? So it's like it kind of makes sense. But you're talking about a, a conference that had five nine-plus win teams a year ago, eight teams with eight or more wins. That's really good. They have really good quarterback play. And then I tell you what, like you brought up Duke. They returned 18 starters from last year's team that won in, in Mike Elko's first year, won, I think, nine games, right? They did win nine. Um, Mike Elko was the, the hire of the year, really. Like, it was yeah. like this hire sexy but it was so perfect for duke because he was very much ready to be a head coach uh david cutcliffe left the culture intact right. even if a duke roster is never gonna you're never gonna be like walking into duke and be like man look at my roster you know but um 
culture is good. Yeah. Uh, they have an all American, right? Jacob Monk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that's not nothing. I mean, you know, some of these programs have six, seven all Americans that we always talk about, right? You know, having one at Duke, that's a senior and the leader in your locker room is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, so, and I promise I did not come on the show to, to drop like <laughs> ball coach, but I do talk to Spurrier from time to time. There you go. And like, like Steve Spurrier basically was like, man, Mike Yoko, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's an up and comer. Can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see what Duke does this year. Watch out for Duke. That's like not a bad Spurrier was, at all. It's okay. It was like, and that was a couple weeks ago where like Spurrier, like we're asking him about Napier yeah. and stuff for a different season. And like Steve's like, I got to get my Duke plug. <laughs> it says a lot about what's going on in Gainesville, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it says a lot about a lot, yeah. right? There's a lot there. Um, what do you think is the most interesting storyline in the ACC? There's a couple. So Clemson, for the first time in a long time, went kind of outside the Clemson family and got yeah. a big name OC. Um, you've got Drake May, who's potential number one overall pick this year. Um, he's got a new OC in Chip Lindsey. So what does that look like for UNC? Uh, you got Florida State kind of trying to make their way back and kind of take over Clemson that – you know, like you said, what has it been six of the last seven years or seven of the last eight years they've won the conference. Um, you've got no divisions now. So that's kind of an interesting storyline as well. So what do you think is kind of the most interesting storyline, either that you've heard at media days or just that you're thinking about going into the season? It's really like two things. Um, and they're both Florida state related, which probably would drive Clemson people nuts. Um, one can FSU stop the run. If they can, then they're going to the college football playoff. Love it. Um, if they can't, then Clemson's going to win the ACC again. Yep. Um, I hate to like be that, you know, that's almost hot takey. Yeah. But I really feel like football, the cool thing about, the, I think the reason we love football is at the end of the day, like it's just a couple of things, right? right. It's a handful of play things. And so that's it for them. And then also, like, does Mike Norvell really need to win this year, right? Like, do they need to live up to these expectations? And I don't mean the college football playoff, right? right? But, like, go back to the New Year's Six and win again. Like, I think Norvell, for one, he's a wonderful person, which I think helps with portal kids because they're looking for something a little different. Yeah. But I think that's part of the formula of success that they're having with the portal, but they're not recruiting well. Mm -hmm. and, and FSU fans, you know, they get into it. Message board genius has lots of great, like FSU fan chestnuts, you know, but like, look, man, like these services are so good now. <laughs> they're so yeah, good. Yeah. These recruiting. And when you're at like 89.8 for your average recruit, like that's fine. Right. But that's not, 2013 FSU where you looked at that roster and you were like, what, you yeah, know, yeah. or where it was arguably better. And, you know, James just didn't play very well. Yep. Um, you know, so I, that's kind of it for me is like, does he need to capitalize on this? Because at some point like winning does actually fix recruiting, right? but it's, 
right? It's like Dabo Sweeney Clemson yeah. build winning. And, you know, it's just, he's in a really, he's in a totally different, but very similar boat to a guy I mentioned, Billy Napier, right? right? Like, I think Billy Napier cooking on the trail, mm-hmm. but can you cook on the trail if you're seven again? Yeah, no, that's a good, you've got to hold on to these recruits because the first time you ever had to, like, this is like the first time where you've really had to recruit, continue to recruit your own roster, recruit the portal, and then recruit again for high school. It just, it never stops. Um, you touched on something, well, one shameless plug because message board geniuses, they're going to be on for our big 12 preview next week. Um, yeah. So I, I thought he was an ACC guy and I, I hit him up today and he was like, I'm a mountain West guy. And I was like, first off, no one's a mountain West guy. So don't ever say that again. <laughs> um, but no, so, okay. You, you kind of touched on this earlier, uh, about talking about Duke Clemson. I don't know if that's your answer for this. If it is, that's fine. But outside of the early FSU Clemson game, what other conference game or games are you looking forward to most that, that will impact the, the standings or, or the champion at the end of the year? Well, so I'm really, I'm really interested in – I mean, does it have to be an ACC conference game or can it just be a game with an ACC team? You know, we're talking about ACC football, so it could be whatever you want. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not too many good intra-conference games. Georgia Tech, so, Tulane. <laughs> I want to see if Brian Kelly and his family enjoy Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the L I think they're going to take. I, <laughs> it, it's going to be yeah. a really good. It was a, like, I say this all the time you know, on, on the show, like people really forget that FSU dominated LSU for roughly 53 minutes of that game last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And LSU for all the things they do well, like I'm not sure that they're the team that's built to beat Florida State. Right. The way that this sort of like I said, I mean, can FSU stop the run? Right. That's a Clemson question. That's a Florida in the swamp question. Yeah. Right. That's probably an at pit if it's cold question. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. November. Another game I circled November fourth. They go to pit. Yeah. It's I uh, circled that game too. That's going to be a sneaky one. Yeah, it's gonna be a seven PM kick. You know it. You know they're gonna get a night kick. Mm-hmm. It the place that will always forever be Hinesfield. Always, to me. always. Yeah. And like I still call whatever that building is that the Hurricanes play in Joe Robbie. So <laughs> <laughs> that's like an extreme, bro. That's like a thirty year throwback. Like that that opened in ninety three. I think it was only Joe Robbie for like a single year. I feel knowing it. That's good though. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. I like that game. That man opened a stadium and named it after him, his fucking self. That is unreal. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, if I had That's two like- first names, probably not. It, like, <laughs> like if I'm opening Ricky Bobby Speedway, probably not. Like, that's a ridiculous thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to like point at certain games in this league outside of those and say, I'm really, really hyped about this game or that yeah. game. I look, you know what? I'm interested. Like, so Mario, Chris, like I said, tan, tan and with a plan, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Take tan with a plan and like beat somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So they get, they get A&M September 9th. I think they're going to get their doors blown off by it. Yeah. But, you know what? If they don't, 
I mean, I get the Monday column that hopefully at least a hundred people read on Saturday road, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, well, hey, old brother, we pushed a lot of gambling peddling, huh? Oh, I'm going to get fired for that. <laughs> I hope I get to write a column about how like Jimbo's totally washed. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> like, There's a fair chance of that. Yeah, yeah, who are you I mean, going like, for in that, Tyler? As like a or and like like well, it wouldn't be as much for you, Neil, because like Florida doesn't hate Jimbo as much. But as like a Florida State guy, like who are you pulling for in that with Jimbo versus Miami? That's I got exactly what I versus Auburn for me. I got it. I got exactly what I needed last year, which was just a complete slop fest. Both teams yeah. looked horrible, and I think the A and M ended up winning that game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just perfect. It was a perfect scenario. It was like they both looked incompetent on offense, but Miami yeah. <laughs> ultimately lost, which is good. That's fair. Okay, so my other game that I wrote down was Notre Dame at Clemson. Mm-hmm. It's a cop out, but like Sam Hartman, yeah, uh, is really good at football. Ooh, in case good. you haven't watched, you know the the Atlantic Coast Conference football. <laughs> But uh, he's really good, yeah. and his PL at Notre Dame is much better than it was at Wake Forest. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in the like, like I think Tommy Reese was is one of the best young minds in the sport, and I say that. Say like, it again, and say it louder yeah. for the fucking people in the back. Well, and I I covered I covered Notre Dame all year mm-hmm. last year. I went up there times. I got to talk to them. Um, you know, it was great. Like and this year, I get Clemson according to the powers that be at, at SDS and Saturday Road, which is fine. I'm closer to them. Yeah, it's not like I have to plane and go to Chicago. Yeah, and like freeze through a loss to Stanford, right? But mm-hmm. um, man, having talked to Tommy a little bit, like that guy is really smart, and I think that's a significant loss because Marcus Freeman, he had a staff there, I think, yeah. as it was constructed job where he could just CEO recruit and get awesome output from that defense. And so I, that worries me a little bit at Notre Dame. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll see. It's a good thing. They got Hartman in the portal because Tyler Buckner is bad. I don't, like he's I just don't know why we have, I just, I mean, we're not going to make this a Bama episode until you get her off it at least. But I mean, <sighs> yeah, no, I, I I agree, and people forget too that Reese was almost named the head coach of that. But I mean, you know, that's neither here nor there now. Yeah. But I, I, that is that is a significant loss. That's a that's a good point though, Notre Dame, because that schedule sets up pretty well for what they could be able to do. It, like, I, they don't do they have to play an AC championship? No, right? They just get to uh, fucking Notre Dame. They just do their normal. We're playing some teams from the ACC. It's the toughest of those games I mentioned. They have to go to Death Valley. Um, you know, the Clemson-Notre Dame game was entertaining yeah. last season. Else, um, And I also think it was kind of an important game for Dabo because it was when he realized he had to do something. Right. You know, it was the first time, and that was the other game that I got to cover, and it was the first time I'd seen Sweeney, who I've seen a few times at bowl games. And it's the first time I saw him in a press conference just look like – Man, I gotta fix right. something. You know, and I, th- I think this is a guy. He's not. He's himself. It's hard to like make a comparison of, to Dabo to anybody really, but he what he really is is 
You know, he's obsessive yeah. about winning. And I mean, he thinks they're underrated. He all, he, he has been, Shocking. this, this is a Dabo dream team. Right? Yeah. This is like, he can, play, he can play the Clemson card you know, that he was playing when they, Oh yeah. Nobody cared. Little old Clemson. Yeah. Clemson is back. Like when I was down there at their media yeah. last week, I mean, it was all about like, yeah, nobody's talking about us. You know, we just have Will Shipley. You know, he's the best running back in the country. Nobody's he, he did not fucking say that. Excuse my language. He did not say that. Oh, he 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 is adamant that Will Shipley is the best running back in the country. Now, he might be have gone through the wardrobe to Narnia with that take. <laughs> he also told me, <laughs> he also told me, like Florida Gator writer that they had the best one two running back punch in the country. And I said, <laughs> I said, dude. I was thinking, I'm gonna send him some Florida tape with like their best wide receiver is Guy Fieri from right. Flavor. <laughs> and those oh. guys have six and stuff as you right. right? Yeah. That's <laughs> awful. No, that is a dream yeah, scenario I mean, for me. I get that. Dream scenario. Yeah. Like there's little old Clemson. You said it. It's little old Clemson right, right now. And hey man, Cade Klubnik, it's his second year. It's his first full year as a starter. He's going to make the jump that Trevor made. He's so good. You know, there's a reason he won the Alita 11 passing skills. There's a reason he won the Manning. Yeah. Game. They believe in that guy. Yeah. Um, and they're always going to be good at the. They're always going to be good. So that's fair. At least in the ACC. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, you know, the only thing I don't see from Clemson that you used to see from Clemson all the time is uh, is receiver play. Um, you know, I felt like last year with Klubnik, you know, he he would panic in the pocket a bit because he just hadn't didn't have receivers that could make plays for him. Um, you had Antonio Williams, who was a pretty good slot player for them, but they've not only is the recruiting rankings kind of gone down on the players that they've brought in, but even the high ranked players really haven't panned out. You got Bo Collins, who is a highly ranked player. Adam Randall, they expect a lot out of. He, he's coming off an ACL last year. I mean, was there any talk? Or I guess you talked to Clemson tomorrow, but have you heard anything about Clemson in the receiver room that's going to be any better than it has been? I'm going to about that. You know, and I, I went at Dabo harder than most of the press corps that was pumped to to get to tour the PAW facility. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were excited about the barbecue. Yeah. Right? And I was there to, like, ask questions about why his offense doesn't work (laughs) and um so here here's some numbers like they they finished 66 in the country in 20 yard plays or more last year that was their worst finish since before Taj Boyd wow okay that's bad and for perspective like all four teams in the college football playoff were in the top 20 in plays of 20 yards and the only one outside of the top 10 was Michigan who was like 17 right and Randall Clemson was the least explosive offense. Yeah, they were the least explosive conference champion. Twenty-five spots below Kansas State, who won a conference. Yeah. We shouldn't. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there's there's problems. Like if Will Shipley's the best running back in the country, then man, they, the rest of those guys must be terrible. I mean, Dabo, just um, say just say best no, and- white running back in the country. Like, let's just what are we doing right now? <laughs> right. Like it's cool that you think he's Christian McCaffrey, right. but he's not. No, he's not at all. Uh, 
next point of Antonio Williams is good. He's also like just a sophomore and they aren't going to move him from the spot according to Garrett Riley. Yeah. So cool. I, I want to see what Riley and Chad Morris do. Like they might end up being able to scheme a way to make somebody like Hunter Renfro look good. Right. right? Which is, that's, that's, that's what happened in the past. Yeah. So can, can they scheme it? Um, and then what do they do with that running back room? Like, how do they use Shipley? Because I thought a big problem last year was, like, if he's the best running back in the country, why aren't you passing him the ball more? Mm-hmm. Right. He just wasn't involved in their passing. Right. You know, and it wasn't. Like, Florida, like, even Jimbo. I say even Jimbo because I think his offense is, like, straight out of, you know, the movie Jaws. But, like, it's, you know, meaning it's, it's like, 50 years old yeah. and antiquated, right? Yeah. But, um, like, Dalvin Cook, it was just like oh, – yeah. Hey, we're gonna get you the ball in every possible right. way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because oh, that on almost every football field, you're the best player. Right. Like, okay, so Will Shipley in the ACC is the best player. Ten Saturdays. You know. Right. Why aren't you throwing him the football more? Right. Like this isn't rocket science. No. Yeah, I mean, get your best player. The get ball. in the ball. When in you space. have quarterback problems, especially like just get like again. I'm. We're not going to get into it because I bring it up every fucking fourth episode. The Lane Kiffin <laughs> thing, you write the five numbers on the board, you start, like, these are your playmakers, get them the ball, it's not that fucking hard. Like, this is this is all, like, I just don't get it. And, and, and Dabo just, I've never seen a coach that is more stubborn and, like, just, like, square peg, round hole, bang your head against the wall, I'm going to do it this way. And, like, yeah. even when I'm wrong, and, and it just takes a lot. Like you, you saying that him at Notre Dame realizing like, oh man, like something's got to change. That's like a big moment for him. But it's also like a moment that's like probably yeah. two years too late from when he should have realized it in the first place, which is what good coaches do. I just, I don't understand that part of it. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think, I think that was a great mm-hmm. coach, right? But I think, I do think, yeah, I mean, this is this is a late realization. Right. You know, this isn't Kirby figuring out immediately that he wasn't going to will must champ at Florida his way to dynasty. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? Okay, I'm going to go get Todd Munkin. You know, and he's going to make Stetson Bennett look like he's driving a Cadillac. Right. Right. And like what? Georgia fan listening to this and wants to send me hate DMs. Like, come on, yeah. man. Like, this wait, – wait till a, a Justin Fields type actually stays at Georgia. Yeah. You know? well, and, what, <laughs> and one thing Georgia fans would love to know, and I'll help you out with them, um, my dad owned several Cadillacs. I owned a Cadillac at one time when I um, like when I was making bank over there at Houston's. Cadillacs do come with Hemis now. It's like a 32V engine, so they can go really fast. It's not an insult. Just know that. <laughs> it was not an insult, man. It was, it was a. I'm just going with lots of old school references. Yeah, I love that. So it's like it's a spring. It's a Springsteen song. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and I I want to see that because now they've got coaches in this league at least that can scheme. Right. Like Mike Norvell might be able to recruit with Cristobal and Napier. Napier is kind of an asterisk to be seen. That's um, we know. No Mario can recruit, right? Um, but Mike Norvell can scheme you. Yeah. So 
he's hitting in the portal and he's close to where Dabo is, like they had to get better schematically at yeah. Clemson. And that's never been a problem at the other programs that are consistently elite, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Never a problem at the Yep. Yeah. Um, well, a couple more questions and we'll get you out of here. Um, who do you have as your offensive and defensive player of the year in the conference? So for me, and it, part of it was just talking to him again, but yeah, it's Jared verse is my defensive player of the year. Um, I love all the stuff he's like, you talk about an impressive yeah. dude. Yeah. Like he, and he starts talking about why he came back and, you know, all this hate about NIL and somebody asked him about the big NIL package. And he said, you know, it's always about long-term goals. Right. It's always about what's the best pathway to me to go to the NFL. He talked to a lot of people. They said I was probably a middle of the second round draft pick. God. Um, he said, sorry, no, he just said, that's no, of course. he said, that's not enough um, for me. So, you know, and then everybody else that was coming back, we thought we could do something special, and we're loyal to to Coach Norvell, and we love Tallahassee. You know, it's all the stuff that, like, just a really smart kid that wasn't doing, like, student-athlete speak yeah. or coach yeah. speak. Um, so for him, that's, that's who it is for me on that front. Offensively, like, gosh, I'd love to say – I'd love to say it's Will <laughs> – it's Shipley because <laughs> – I think he's a special player, but I'm going to go Riley Leonard. Yeah, I um, I kind of agree with that. First of all, he, he plays the premier position. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know what Garrett Riley's going to do with Will Shipley. I also don't know what they have outside of Antonio Williams that's going to be good. Um, and it's the same problem Florida's going to have. Like they have two great running backs. People are going to put nine guys in yeah. the box. <laughs> Just be like. Let's go, Cade Klubnik. You're supposed to be so good, right. you know. And he's going to share carries because Phil Mata is good, right. right? He's not great, but he's a he's worthy of being on the field. I mean, um, so like, I got to go Riley Leonard, Leonard and he's I like th- almost a three thousand yard passer. They've he was he can run. He extends plays with his legs. Their schedule sucks, but for a guy to be ACC player of the year, it's also really right, good. Yeah. Right. Cause like for the ACC, Duke's going to be in high profile games. Yeah. Man. Um, all right. Last question here. And I like, I feel like we always hate to have like, just like generic answers, but I feel like it makes sense in this conference and it's the preseason. So just right. I mean, point blank, who wins the ACC this year and why? Well, I mean, Clemson is the gold standard in the league. Um, but who's a guy I haven't – I like this. I like the way this ended up for me. Okay. <laughs> Didn't mention on the podcast the entire time. Jordan Travis. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's just – that guy's magic. Really. Yeah. And those kind of college football players are super special. Um. They scheme well for him. They're going to be the best they've been on the offensive line in seven or eight years, for I think. Sure. I would. Um, and I think they're going to have a lot of shootouts where Travis has to win. Like, it's the fourth quarter, it's Jordan Travis time. Right. And so, 
think Riley Leonard wins player of the year. I think Jordan Travis is kind of built for that moment. Um, he proved that he was late last year. Oklahoma was not competitive with them. No. For multiple and it was because of Jordan Travis, and that's Oklahoma, right? Like, that's not a joke program. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think FSU wins league. The caveat to that is I think they need right. to, right, for the Mike Lord to actually work. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I get the fans, but I think I'm right. I love that. Um, I think I'm and <laughs> That's fair. Uh Dude, Neil, thank you so much for, for coming on, for one. It's good to have you on. I, I don't know how you made it 27 and a half minutes in an ACC preview without mentioning Jordan Travis, but that's fine. Um, I didn't catch it <laughs> until you said it. Tell everyone where they can read your work. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media if you want them to. Give everyone your home address, and we'll just go from there. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I Right on Saturday Road, Saturday Down South, I'm on Twitter at NW Blackman. And then, uh, yeah, Mondays – I joked about number of readers, but Mondays I do the ACC weekend review called Mondays on the Road. If you think the article sucks, at least I include restaurant recommendations throughout the ACC. And I'm I'm not like Andy Staples level food, yeah. But I like if Andy and I had a cook off, like I would compete. So like, <laughs> I good food. So come and at least find out where to eat in basketball season. I love it, man. We appreciate you joining us, man. We'll have to do it again soon. And enjoy the rest of your trip and vacation. All right, guys. Take care. All right. So that was Neil Blackman. We appreciate Neil giving his insights on the ACC. Figure we give our own little insights here on the ACC. Yeah. Um, It's for the first time in six years, I think, that it's – not just uh, Clemson's to lose. Right. Um, as Neil said in the interview, Clemson's won the league seven of the last eight years. Um, no divisions this year, which I think actually makes it more intriguing right. because that Clemson Florida State game that's early in the year is obviously a huge one. Um, but the loser of that isn't out of it like they would be in pretty much any other year because yeah. you were just battling each other for the right in the Atlantic to go to the ACC championship. So there could actually be a rematch between Florida State and Clemson if it went that way. But the odds are out there. Clemson is the slight favorite, according to Caesar Sportsbook, at plus 130 to win the conference. Right behind them is Florida State at plus 140. Down the line, the next closest is UNC at plus 1,200. So... It's a two-team race right. in the ACC. We know this. Um, I don't know. Let's start with Clemson here. Uh, do you think, like, last year obviously it seemed like a step back for them. They went 11-3 and won the ACC. Yeah, let's, like, so let's like, like be brief in our Clemson stuff because, because yeah. I, I know we touched on a lot in the, with the Neal stuff. I, I will say this. I think with Garrett Riley coming in and you talk about a five-star quarterback with, like, a former five-star quarterback, Peyton Club, Clubnick, um, Will Shipley doesn't have to be the feature back. I was kind of shocked that Neil even said he would be up for potentially the ACC player of the year. Like, I feel like it makes sense, but I feel like Klubnik would be my pick off this team if anyone, especially in an offense that we saw like last year with, with uh, Garrett Riley. Um, I love hammering the over for their win total at nine and a half. And that's one of the questions we had on here, which is what team do you think gets over their win total? 
I'd have a hard time yeah. saying it's not Clemson. I mean, it's 10 wins. When's the last time they haven't had 10 wins? Yeah, no. And I, look, I mean, they, the schedule is manageable. I mean, I think they get some of their easier or their hardest games at home. You get Florida State at home. Um, you get Notre Dame at home. Um, UNC's at home. So um, I think really it comes down to like, Obviously, Neil's high on Duke, so maybe that opening game isn't a layup W. I still think it is. I mean, if you look at the odds, Duke is, to win the conference, Duke is like plus 3,000. They're worse than Pitt, yeah. NC State, Miami. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe – I will see. I hope Duke's not as good as he thinks that they are because Florida State plays Duke this year. Well, um, say, I think the schedule sets up nice. I think the Notre Dame is, a, is an all-name game. But I also yeah. from, like because because I I just can't see them being as bad as they were because DJU was not a fit for that offense and Klubnik seems like he probably is I know they got beat in the bowl game and he came on last year and, and maybe at times he underwhelmed but he got so tiring to see the same shit when it's like you you got a guy that is already unsure of himself in the passing game I don't know if I ever saw DJU run for over five yards I'm sure he did but it seemed like every single time it was like just the most uncomfortable hesitant like. Like he was always still trying to learn the offense. Now, right. I, I would not be surprised if we look up and they're twelve and zero. I like the the FSU game is going to be awesome, um, but I think that's that's probably the expectation when you have that that coordinator coming in. I'll tell you who I'm not sold on, and I would take the under is UNC. Yeah, strictly because they lose Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator. That defense was god-awful last year, and I love Coach Chizik, and I'm sure he's going to do better. Yeah. But that defense was awful. The The over-under on their win total is, is I think, eight and a half. In some places, it's nine. Um, here, let me look at it real mm. quick. It is eight and a half. It's eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and like, I'm not like, – I, I don't know if it's, like, a lock or I'd hammer it, but I, I, I'm close to saying that strictly because of the fact that – fucking bury this – Sorry, we're watching the U.S. Women's National Team while we're recording. Anyway, um, I'm close to saying hammer it strictly because of the fact that you lose Phil Longo, who has worked wonders that offense. One of the reasons they won so many games last year is because that offense like, was able to score points because that defense wasn't able to stop anybody. You lose your best yeah. receiver to the NFL draft, who, who put up crazy numbers. Drake May is awesome, but I don't know who he's throwing to. And I don't know who's calling the plays, and I guarantee you whoever it is is probably not as good as Phil Longo. I'm taking them under eight and a half. So it's Chip Lindsey. Okay. Um, I hate that name. So it's interesting. You know, they were nine and five last year. It doesn't seem that way because here's how they ended the year. They lost to Georgia Tech at home as a 21-point favorite. They lost again at home the next week in double overtime to their rival, NC State. They got bludgeoned by Clemson in the ACC title game, and then they lost the Holiday Bowl to Oregon. So, they like, were leading in at one point, they were, like, close to top 10 right. last year. Um, and that was the most – that was only the second time they've had nine wins since 1997 yeah. when Mac Brown last coached there. So, um, I think they have a difficult schedule, I think. Uh, that first game – in in Charlotte against South Carolina. I I'm that's, that's a game that I'm excited to watch. Yeah. Cause I think there's like some pretty good hype around South Carolina right now. And I think UNC it's in their home state. There's probably going to be more South Carolina fans at the game. 
that's a that's gonna be a tone setter for their season. They play Minnesota weirdly at home. Like yeah, it's a weird that's kind of a tough game. Three, I think yeah, yeah. At Pitt is is a tough game. I mean, you could laugh at it if you're an SEC fan. I get it, but no, that could be a tough environment. I, and then at Clemson at at NC State to end the end the year. I mean, that's potentially four losses. I have them at four losses. Though. Yeah, which would be under the eight and a half. Um, I will say this: you reference right. Pitt, and that's the only other team I would I would say like. I think their their season win total, and I'm not even going to look at the, um, what is it here? It is six and a half without even looking. At yeah, I, I like the over. I love the over there because you know what? Last year they won nine games. Year before that they won 11. Um, they've been over six and a half in four of the last five years. And I think Pat Narduzzi is like a poor man's, um, fuck, why am, I, why am I blanking on the name? The coach at Utah. The guy from... Oh, Whittingham? Yes, I think I think Pat Narduzzi is a poor man's Kyle Whittingham in terms of... Yeah, Pitt's always a very tough team. Really tough physical. out. Really tough out. We saw the, the, yeah. the uh, Tennessee offense go there last year, and they were playing yeah. against a backup quarterback, and you still go to overtime in that game. It, they only put up 34 points with an extra period where they scored. Like, that's, that is a tough out. Yeah, and they got um, they got Pitt, or, uh, BC's quarterback who was... Actually, really good. BC was just so bad, and he he was their O line was so bad that he was just yeah. injured. But he's actually a really good quarterback, Phil Dracovic. He transferred in for Pitt. He's a senior, so he's he's got a lot of experience. I think they could be a sneaky team. Like Florida State goes up there November fourth, right? Late in the year, it's going to be chilly. Like Neil said, you know, it's probably going to be a night game. I, I worry about that being a little bit of a um, spot on Florida State schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I like that over as well. I'm with you there. Um, Real quick, who do you have winning the winning the conference? So before I get there, I just want to go over just a couple of things that I really like about the ACC this year because I know it's a hard pitch, it's a hard sell for our listeners. But let me give you a couple of like yeah. facts about some of the teams that I like going into this year. Okay, um, I referenced this earlier. You have five teams with nine or more wins last year, which is really good. You had eight teams with eight or more wins, which is like eight of the 13 total. That's really impressive. Um, you look at like the, the, the returning talent coming back, you've got five teams that are all arguably going to challenge for a second spot in, in the, the conference championship game, right? Clemson, Florida state, Miami, UNC, and Duke, all five of those teams have a minimum 15 starters returning. So a lot of experience coming back. Um, Clemson has 15, Florida state, 17, Miami 19, UNC 17, and Duke uh, 18. So I think there's a lot of returning experience. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Duke, as you mentioned, they got 10 returning starters come back on offense, as does Miami. Um, so a lot of room for improvement there. Another thing I like, um, Jordan Travis, the quarterback play. The quarterback play and the quarterback potential, okay? Jordan Travis, Duke May. Wait. Drake May. Drake May. Why do I call him Duke May? Um, Drake May. <laughs> Duke Mayo? Yeah, probably so. Um, those are two legitimate Heisman candidates start to finish yeah. that I think could end up in in uh, in New York. May even because he could have been invited last year. Don't forget about Tyler Van Dyke. Is He was a very good quarterback two years ago. He got injured last year. Six straight. He's coming back. Games. Yep. Um, you've got uh, Plummer back with Brom at uh, Louisville. They put up really good numbers together at Purdue. Uh, Club Nick, like 
he could end up being very good. Ooh. We don't know. I mean, this is his second season. Maybe he grows a lot. Um, Brennan Armstrong, who put up massive numbers at Virginia under the OC there, he's at NC State now with that OC. Right. NC State's always a tough out. Like, I agree with you. It's a very good quarterback league. And I'll tell you what. Again, my, the, the, my favorite stat, by the way, this this is just a personal no. uh, favorite stat of mine. Florida State, Florida State has 206 career total starts along their own. I love that this year. Phil Steele, Phil Steele, in his magazine said it. He thinks it's the most he's ever seen for any team ever. Has to be. That's I, and that's like we love feel good stories. That's like a feel good story for a position group because they they yeah. have seen some shit down there thanks to Jimbo. Um, oh my god! Back to the quarterback dude. thing. No idea. Love you said about Klubnik. We already talked about Riley Leonard. That's a guy that was like 60 yards short of a 3,000-yard season a year ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and then – so he said Riley Leonard. And then I'll tell you another thing. Here's a, here's a forgotten name some SEC fans. Uh, it's it's going to like jog your memory here. Uh, Garrett Schrader at Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, guy who was at Mississippi State. Talk about a gamer. That kid is fun to watch. That offense was fun. They won seven games. It kind of fell off the end of the year last year. But um, I think he put up 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. Every every single person we have mentioned so far is a single-digit interception. I think all of them were eight or seven or less for the entire season a year ago, which is really good. Uh, and last but not least, we're talking about a potential from the quarterbacks. Haynes King at Georgia Tech. You know I love Georgia Tech. You know I want to see them succeed. Rick, he got to five wins somehow last year, which is like just a miracle worker. Um the the last thing I'll say is, and I'll, I'll cut it over to you for your prediction. Predicting who wins the conference, I'm going to say that it's Florida State. I hope you're not going to. I I just I, I really love the fact, and here's here's why. Not only do they return 17 starters, I, I think Clemson's going to be good. I know they get that game at home, but I think it's a team we saw at the end of last year that turned a corner and and figured out how to win games. You texted me when you left uh, Tallahassee the game one of 2021 season against Notre Dame when you guys almost won. You said, I, I know one thing, and I know that I, I, I like Norvell. Like, Norvell's my fucking coach. I think they've learned how yeah. to win, and they not only return those starters, they're the only team in this conference that is, was a top 20 scoring offense and scoring defense in the country. They're the only team, and they return all that. Yeah. I will turn it over to you. Yeah. Um, so I think in that early September game, I think, I think Clemson is probably going to win that game. Um, it's tough to beat them at home. I think that offense, they've got three games basically that are layups. Maybe, maybe Duke's not a layup. I don't know, but, um, they've got three games to kind of work out some of the kinks and we don't kink shame on this podcast. You say it all the time. That's just the way it goes. Um, but I think that Florida State will be resilient. That's kind of like one of Norvell's things. It's like just be resilient through any downfall. And I think whether they beat LSU or not, if they lose to Clemson and run the table, they'll get into the ACC title game. And um, I think they'll rematch Clemson and they'll beat them in the ACC title game and go to New Year's Six Bowl. I love that. I don't think they're good enough to be – I don't know that they'll be good enough to be uh, like a legit – national title contender but i think they could make the playoff yeah i mean um it's it's i could see it i i'm excited about the season you know i they don't have a ton of star players but i think norvell's done a great job of bringing in portal guys that fit the system and um 
I'm confident in the year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So agreed. I got the Knolls too. So three for three on this podcast on picking the Knolls. So that's not going to be good. Yeah, I probably should pick Clemson. All right. Um, that is our portion of the ACC preview. We're very excited uh, for the, the last part of this episode. I know it's a long way. I appreciate y'all sticking around. But we finally, um, we finally got him. Uh, a huge interview with a coaching legend. Uh, three-year letterman sat down with us and talked about some of his principles, his foundations, his values, favorite stories, uh, and some fun facts about America. So this is that interview. Guys, listen, I'll tell y'all what. Um, my daddy, who I don't talk to anymore, as y'all know, uh, his most prized possession, it obviously wasn't me, but it was an autograph from Bear Bryant that he received written out to his name two days before he died. And I think that's probably the most legendary thing of his life. Right now, I'm experiencing something pretty similar here. Uh, a legendary coach, legendary youth football coach, three-year letterman. How the hell are you, man? Pretty damn good. How are you? I mean, I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. Because, like, I listen, I've met Saban. You know he's got small hands, so I wasn't, like, intimidated by him. Gargantuan hands on, on, on your end, first off. So I want to throw that out there for the ladies. But, um, yeah, very nervous. Just a lot of trepidation on, on, on my end right now. Well, you know, I can understand that. I mean, it, it is kind of intimidating to, to get on a, the, the phone with someone who, I mean, right now I'm vacationing at the Comfort Inn in Blackshear, Georgia. Uh, so I'm doing this poolside. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I'm not trying to brag. I, I'm really not trying to make anyone feel bad who can't afford a vacation like that. But, I, you know, I, I'm here for five days. Five days? Wow. Five days. I ate, I ate at Subway, uh, Pizza Hut, uh, the the Panda Chinese restaurant. I mean, you, you name it. Uh, I've, I've been, I've been eating like a king all week. Yeah. And, all and week. Yeah, I already know I've never stayed at a, a, a penthouse of a comfort Inn. I've seen one in Vegas. Um, yeah. but I, I, you know, I don't really remember what went on there. I came home with something I'm not going to talk about, but, um, we're glad you're here. First off, uh, we've been doing preview season, like fall camp starts next week. First and foremost, yeah, for me too, who, who are your, who are your coaching influences? What? You know, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people, when they ask this, they, they expect me to say something like, I don't know, Kirby Smart, uh, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, uh, I, someone who is a, a common answer to that kind of question. Um, but I, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I'm not I'm not a conventional guy. Yeah. I'm not a conventional thinker. That's how that's that's why I struggled to turn door handles because of all my championship rings. It, it's not from being traditional. And so I think that the the coach who had the greatest impact on me is Bud Kilmer. Yeah. Now, I hope that people aren't sitting there going, uh, who is Bud Kilmer? Uh, but if you don't know who Bud Kilmer is, Bud Kilmer was the head football coach in uh the the movie Bar varsity blues yeah. and i have tried to model my career exactly after his um you know he he didn't he didn't take anything from he, he took no guff from the players mm -hmm. he didn't take it from the parents um he gave sensible injections when they needed to be uh given 
to players with knee injuries to get him back on the field. He was committed to winning. Right. Um, and it he had he had twenty two district district titles. Yeah, they don't build statues and it all for nobody. Got brought down. That's exactly right. He, there was a statue of right. him out front, and it, he got taken down by a snot nosed millennial who was headed off to an Ivy League. And school. the shittiest that, one. That's what brought him down. Yes. Yes. I mean, that, he Jonathan Moxon was useless. He was disrespectful. Um, he read. He read Slaughterhouse Five on the sideline during games. I mean, have you ever met someone who wasn't just like a complete clown who thinks that's a good book? Well, um, no, he's not I a mean, it, it just—I could go on and on. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, but Bud Kilmer is who I model myself after. You know, you may remember at some point he threatens to mess up Jonathan Moxon's scholarship to Brown if he doesn't play in the game. Yeah. I, that's what you got to do to win. Make it, If a player has a concussion, put him back out there. If he's got a knee injury, put him back out there. So I've modeled myself after after Bud Kilmer. I love that. I yeah, speaking, that. speaking of that, uh, what is your injury protocol? I mean, you've, you've been questioned in the media about uh, potentially lying on injury reports uh, for the kids. Uh, your in-game uh, handling of players who are injured, uh, even in practice, uh, folks have complained that you know, former players of yours that obviously are a little embittered and don't respect your legacy, of course, uh, have come out and said, yeah, I mean, I, I tore my ACL in practice and coach uh, wouldn't wouldn't he had me in the game the next week. That's exactly right. Um, and if anyone is uh, if any of the invest quote unquote investigators are listening um, this, that's right. Uh, I've done exactly what you're describing. Um, I, I don't believe in injuries. Injuries don't exist. They they exist in your head. Yeah, they're mental. Okay. They don't. Uh, AC, you ever seen an ACL? Ha, have you seen an ACL? I've never seen one. No, I've never seen, I, ACL I've never seen one. Uh, yeah. Ex- exactly. You you can't you can't tear something that you can't see. First of all, so the notion of a of a knee injury is is absolutely absurd to me. Um, but it's all mental. I mean, I look, I had a kid once, he, he had a compound leg fracture. There was no doubt we brought him to the sidelines. That's what braces are for, okay? He was out there two plays later. Does he have nerve damage now? Of course he does. Yeah. But you know what he has? A, cha- a championship ring. Right. He's got a championship ring, and that's what matters. That's what matters. Not a functioning leg, championship ring. And, and uh, what level up. was that championship what level, what age group was that championship at? Uh, 10 and under. Nice. 10 and under. So I, I would argue the the most difficult division to win. Yeah, I mean, you're so, you are you got to deal Absolutely. with unruly kids, unruly parents. I tell you what, I'm glad you brought up the ACL thing because I've, I've thought that for years, but was never brave enough to say it, so I appreciate you being able to do it. That, also, what the fuck is a meniscus, yeah. if we're being honest? But we'll just, let's, that's a time for, yeah. we don't have time I, for all that. Um, no, I... Listen, a lot of coaches run two-a-days. I recently read you're 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 big into four days. Now, kind of just walk us through what the benefits are of that, and, and the thought behind such a grueling schedule. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I I don't do two a days. I mean, first of all, the league uh, only allows one practice a day for two or three days a week. Uh, you know, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and you know, a lot of high schools do two a days, um, which I think is is soft and ridiculous. Um, you know, two, two hour practices, two, three hour practices. That's not even an eight hour work day. 
Um, but look, here's what I ascribe to. You know, 150 years ago, kids worked 12-hour days. And this country was great um, when they were doing that. So I, I'm going to make them do the same thing. 12-hour um, days. So four days, three hours, three hours, three hours, three hours. Um, now, you may say, oh, you're just doing that um, to be mean or something. But there's, there's logic behind it. So hold, hold with me here. There, there's two reasons that I have to do this. First of all, my playbook is it, it, 350 pages. <laughs> I mean, how, how in the hell am I supposed to teach that to kids, you know, if I've only got them once a day or twice yeah. a day? Um, so that alone, I think, justifies four days. Um, and secondly, you know, we do our four days in August when it's 98 degrees, when humidity is at the highest. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is some of these kids show up out of shape. Um, it's unacceptable. And, you know, last year we had a kid and we had to make him lose 15 pounds in three days. Um, now, how are you going to do that if you can't do four days? Um, you know, he and once the fainting spells subsided, he was good to go. He was much faster. Uh, he fired off the ball fast. And he's, as far as I know, he's fine. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's, I'm not just doing four days, do four days. It's to, it's to an end. Um, and also, you got to have time to make the shitty kids quit. Okay, <laughs> we, we don't want the useless kids on the team. Um, I got to get rid of them because the league has minimum playing time uh, rules. So I need that time to do things to get rid of them. So it's time well spent. Yeah. I, it, there's no wasted time. It's a 12 hour day, but it's 12 efficient hours. I, I find it truly inspiring that, a an 85 pound child can lose 15 pounds in three days. It's well, just Tyler, really incredible what the body he does. Listen, he's overweight. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, what you can do when you put your mind to it. Yeah. Um, you know, these kids are just, I mean, don't even get me started, uh, you know, eat, not eating, not lifting weights during the summer. What nine-year-old doesn't lift weights during the summer? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's fair. Um, now, I, want to, I do want to get to some of your pr proud accomplishments, like when you played middle uh, linebacker in, in the girls' uh, powder puff game. But um, you, you once waterboarded a player with a high C juice box for fumbling on the goal line. Uh, a lot of controversy surrounded that. And, again, I don't mean to tarnish your legacy – I think you're a fantastic coach, so I hate to bring up all the negatives, but in light of the recent Business Insider, the couple of outlets that have come out are really against you, tell us about the backlash you've received. Uh, we, we believe unfairly yeah, after sure. the, the, the high C incident. Well, I, I mean, if you fumble on the goal line, um, to me, waterboarding a kid with high C First of all, it's high C. Kids love they high do. C. Everybody loves high C. So it's not that much of a punishment. Um, but I look, we brought the kid. He fumbled at the goal line. That That is a cardinal sin. Um, we brought him to the sidelines. And yeah, we waterboarded him on the sidelines with high C. Uh, sue me. Well, his parents did that. But, you know, I, I mean, it, it, you got to get your point across some way. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Um, so... So we waterboarded him on the sideline with high C. And you know what? Uh, that kid never fumbled at the goal line again. Yeah. Now, he didn't play again. Uh, he quit the team, um, which is exactly what we wanted. But, you know, problem solved. Um, so I, I'm not you – know, you got to think outside the box once again. Uh, you know, we had this kid that kept jumping. That, that he, was, he was not listening to the snap count. 
and he kept coming out of his stance at offensive tackle. Mm. And uh, false start after false start, absolutely unacceptable. We got one of those electric dog collars that, that, you know, that shocks the dog when it barks, rose out of his stance. We would shock him. Um, within 15 minutes, that kid was not, he was not false starting again. So well, it was a uh, now he, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't really move. Right, right. Now he couldn't really move, but he wasn't false starting. Yeah. So that's all we needed. Okay. So again, mission accomplished. Coach, last question here before we get you out. Um, this has been a pleasure. It, listen, it, like originally we wanted to get you on for July 4th. I understand you had uh, previous engagements with several women. We're not going to yeah. get into those exploits. Um, but if you are. That's forced... actually my birthday. So. Oh, yeah. Also oh. fair. Also fair. That makes a lot of sense. You're a history buff yeah. a lot like us. And I'll just say we'll, we'll end on this. Uh, Point blank period. What's your favorite fact about America? Maybe that people don't know. Maybe one that people do know that's obvious, but then also one that's like people don't know. Well, I think the one that it, this really combines a couple of facts, one that, that people do know or should know, and one that I think a lot of people don't, but um, I, is that how many presidents, our presidents invent things. Yeah. They invent things. And so I think everybody knows that that Ben Franklin was the first president. So that's that's not that's one of those historic facts everybody needs to know. I think most people right. do know that every now and then you encounter some imbecile that doesn't. Right. But um, he was the first president, and he, he invented electricity. Um, he invented it. Electricity did not exist before Ben Franklin. That's that's not in doubt. He invented electricity and freedom. Mm. And so he invents those two things. And then look at all the things that presidents have invented since. Alexander Hamilton, banks, musicals, another president that invented things. Uh, Abe Lincoln, the town car. Um, Hoover, you got the, the vacuum cleaner. Uh, you got Dwight Eisenhower in, in Benton Roads. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, what other country has somebody who invents roads? Um, Fair. But I think I the, the one that new I reality the other day on TV. All yeah. the thing. There you go. Um, I, I mean, you know, shaking hands with air, you know, whatever it is he does. Um, and, but it, it, look, here's the thing. I, who's our greatest living president right now? It's Gerald Ford. Yeah. Gerald Ford's our greatest living president. Why? He invented the car. Right. Um, I mean, look, it, it, you know, Trump is, is, is sort of controversial and people have different opinions of him. But what we all have to recognize is he invented commercial real estate too, right? Um, and the elimination style reality TV show. So, well, uh, you know, sort of regardless of what you think of any American president, they all invent stuff. I so the thing about people don't say this about Trump, and, and I was not a fan of his, but like you're right about the commercial real estate thing, and and a few people know this. I learned this actually from you um, just in talking back and forth before we started the episode. And that's the fact that he he could have flipped the White House and made a huge profit off that and, and had several offers from HGTV for his own show on that. But he didn't because he loves America and he loves the White House. But he could have made a fortune on flipping that home um, with some, you know, just a few upgrades. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a, it, it's like any home you would flip. You want to find something that's aging and give it a little makeover yeah. and then turn around, sell it for a profit. I mean, my Uncle Gary... He he flip, still flips houses, um, and you know, I mean, granted, 
they often collapse a couple of years after that. But uh, you know, that happens. I, if you if you got an older home, uh, it only makes sense that you would try and flip it. So that that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, coach. Listen, listen coach, I, I, know uh, I know you're. you're uh, oh, go ahead, Tyler. My bad. Coach, I know you're uh, you're thinking about or potentially writing a book about your career. Uh, does that mean you're calling it quits anytime soon, or is this just kind of a a mid career kind of ode to what you've done so far? No, it, it's just an ode to what I've done so far. So over over the summer, I so I wrote a book about my uh, first championship season, and I tweeted it out chapter by chapter. Yeah. Um, over the course of the summer. And so, you know, I think it will inspire people. You know, people will cry. Um, they will be motivated. Yeah. Um, but I'm nowhere near done. Um, I will keep doing this until uh, I am in the ground, which I doubt will ever happen. But if that happens, then that'll be, that, that's the only way to get rid of me. We love it, man. We love it. Listen, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get ready now. Um, not because of choice, but I know that you have a lot of stuff going on tonight. It is a night in Blackshear, first off. So Wednesday is a new Friday. Tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can find the book. Um, and 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 on your way out, also just tell us who's gonna win the national championship this year. Just uh, let everyone know where they can find your your yourself online, and then also your book, and and give us a quick. Prediction of who's going to win the Natty uh, this upcoming season in college football. Okay. Uh, you can find me online uh, at, on Twitter at uh, Three Year Letterman. That's the number three year Letterman. Um, I, frankly, if you're not following me at this point, what are you really yeah. doing with your life? But you can find me there. And um, uh, I also just started an Instagram account, uh, Three Year Letterman Official, to tweet out, uh, or not tweet out, put on Instagram patriotic photos that extol the excellence of america and um lastly in terms of my prediction for this year i predict that georgia absent intervention from the anti-georgia deep state which you know has reared its ugly head many times in the past georgia will win uh, a third national championship and kirby smart becomes the greatest coach ever better than you that's crazy well greatest greatest coach at the college level he he okay look he he's a great coach. Nick Saban's a great coach. They're both great coaches. They're never going to match me. I mean, that's just that's just the, the fact here. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. All right, coach. We appreciate it. We'll have to do this again sometime. Enjoy Black here, and uh, we'll see you soon.